Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tenderness see? Who through life has been my guide? in Bethlehem. Uh, we believe the origin comes from this time period when Daniel raised up, when he is raised up later in the, in the book of Daniel, we'll see this, and he begins training these magi. We believe that's who they are, but for now, they're just these evil, <laughs> wicked people who are uh, serving demon gods. But he says, bring in the magicians, and then the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were the ones who knew all the history and folklore and all the stories and all the things they would share with the Babylonian culture. When you hear Chaldean, just think Babylonian. It's the same thing. It's synonymous. So he brings in all the cult leaders and all the Satan worshipers, <laughs> because that's essentially who these men are, to come and stand before him, because this dream was so overwhelmingly disturbing that either he couldn't remember all of it, or he was pretending like he couldn't remember and I see a case for both of those things. We don't really know. Or the other thing is probably he forgot some of it, but knew some of it. But he wanted them to fill in the gaps, and this is why. He wanted them to prove these are the men. Remember, these are the, the men who are supposed to have a supernatural connection. They're supposed to be supernatural and have a connection to the gods. And so this dream, he wanted proof that they understood it. So he says, no, don't just give me the interpretation. Tell me the dream also. Could you imagine? Tell me the dream that I dreamed. <laughs> Read my mind, tell me the dream, and then tell me the interpretation. And so, verse 4, though, look at this. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. They start this way. This cracks me up. O king, live forever. <laughs> they know they're in trouble. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give you the interpretation. Now, in the introduction, I told you the book of Daniel is primarily in two languages, Hebrew and Aramaic. And I told you it makes sense to me why he switched over to Aramaic. Well, right here where it says the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, then it switches to Aramaic. Makes total sense to me. I don't see it as an, an issue or a difficulty. And we know that he's going to continue in Aramaic in the language of the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, until chapter 7, like verse 24 or 28, something like that. Um, but it makes total sense when you see the transition here. But something else I wanted to mention that I failed to mention in the introduction was this. The book of Daniel also has some Persian words. I don't know, it's like 16 Persian words within its context in the original, and two Greek words. And some people, again, they, the critics have used this to say, there's no way one man did this until you understand the cipher, until you understand the book of Daniel and what we're going to look at next week when we start looking at successive world empires culminating with the Antichrist kingdom. We're going to see Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome, we're going to see these kingdoms. So it makes total sense that the prophecies of Daniel and the book of Daniel would have Babylonian language, it would have Persian language, and it would have Greek language. It just makes sense. So for me, again, there's no issue there. But I love this. The Chaldeans start by flattery. O king, live forever. And they tell him, you know what? Just tell us the dream and we'll interpret it, which seems practical, doesn't it? That would be the common way 
you know, when I had those dreams, I didn't ask my friends, hey, <laughs> you go figure out what my dream was and then come back to me. I didn't say that. The common thing to do is just tell the dream and have somebody interpret it, right? But here's the thing. The king is not interested in the common. This dream disturbed him that much. It was unlike anything he had ever experienced before. He wanted them to tell him the dream, to prove they could tell him the interpretation. And when you think about this, just think about this for a second. I told you this chapter is the backbone of Bible prophecy, of understanding end times, of understanding the coming kingdoms that we know Daniel would prophesy perfectly. Actually, God would. But here's the thing. This is the backbone, and yet, what is, who does God use? A prideful, spiteful, arrogant, pagan king. <laughs> Do you understand that? God can use who he chooses. God can use anybody at any time. We know he used a donkey in the Old Testament, right? Balaam's donkey. You go study that out. He can use anybody. And all I'm saying that is for this reason, for this purpose. Because today we're going to see within the context of the scripture is that we should never take glory from God. We should never try to take credit for what God does. God will do what he wants. Now we also know God's going to use this young Hebrew man, Daniel, to give us the interpretation of this, but we also know that he uses the pagan king's temper to bring all of this about. Look at 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces. We have an attack fly, I was told, and he's attacking me. So, um, You shall be cut in pieces, and your house shall be made an ash heap. Verse 6, however, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Talk about risk and reward. If you tell me the dream, you're going to have riches and you're going to be raised up. But if you don't, you're getting cut to pieces. Oh, seems rational. <laughs> this guy. But because of that, think of this. God is, in, is orchestrating all of this. So not only is he about to judge some of these demonic, satanic magicians and astrologers, because we know some of them are going to die. They're going to get cut to pieces. They're going to get ginsued. Okay? But he's also going to raise Daniel up to speak into the life of the king. We're going to see further favor and influence for Daniel as God raises Daniel up through all of this as a prophet of God, a true prophet of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he tells him, tell me my dream and the interpretation. And they're saying, you know, we can't do this. We can't do this. They're getting fearful. And he is serious. Nebuchadnezzar was serious about cutting people to pieces. You know, one of the things in Babylonian uh, uh, history we know, one of the things the king would do is he would take a man, seize him with troops, take him outside into this forested region, and they would stretch down four strong trees, the troops would, with ropes, and tie those ropes to a leg, to another leg, to an arm, to an arm. And then the king, for his own entertainment and, and because of his judgment, they, he would have them cut one of the ropes. Pop. <laughs> there would go a leg. There would go an arm. Sorry for those who have kids. But uh, the thing is, is that's how wicked Nebuchadnezzar was. He didn't care. He made sport of it. So when he says, I'm going to chop you into pieces, he meant it. This was a real valid threat. And so understanding that, these so-called wise men, they ask him a second time, proving they're probably not that wise, but you can tell they begin to beg. They're almost begging. They know they're in trouble. Verse 7, they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants, notice that, the dream, and we 
will give its interpretation. We're just your humble servants. Uh, you know, they're starting to get desperate. They know they're in trouble. We're just your servants. Can you please just share this with us? We're nothing. We're just your servants. But the king, this prideful and short-tempered man, gets more impatient. And uh, he had laid out this test probably more as a trap to see if these guys are really who they say they are. And it makes him more angry. Look at verses 8 and 9. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. What he just said is this. You guys are stalling for time. You know you're in trouble. I've demanded something. I'm the king. You need to do it. And all you're doing is stalling for time. Just imagine, though, these guys, you know, what a cushy job it would be to have, have this uh, position, you know, these, these cult leaders and satanic followers is really who they are. But these astrologers and magicians, just think, they ate the king's food, they lived in the palace in luxury, and all they had to do was make stuff up. Oh, king, I believe. Uh, you know, they could just make stuff up. You, you, again, not to harp too much on this, but it's kind of the same thing with YouTube and all of these guys who are being raised up these days. They could say what they want, and they're never held accountable. They just get more followers and monetize, and they get money from all of that. It's pretty cushy. They never really get tested. But these guys are getting tested. Now, something about these guys is they were communing with the gods. We know those are demons. Some of it was probably fake, most of it, but they were probably like Hollywood and the entertainment industry. I'm sure many of them were demon-possessed, and I'm sure many of them actually communed with demons, just like Hollywood and the entertainment industry. And, uh, and I'm not even kidding. So there was probably real things going on as well, but a lot of it was just fake and phony, serving these demon gods, and then just pretending so they could live in this cushy place, in this palace, eat the king's food, and just have this, this job. But they'd never been challenged by Nebuchadnezzar in this way. This was really disturbing to him. He needed an answer. Nebuchadnezzar needed an answer. And basically he's saying, if you can't tell me the dream I had, I know you guys are liars. I know you're fakes and you're phonies because you're supposed to be connected to the supernatural. And then in verse 10 and 11, we see these guys are going to get more desperate and they start throwing out excuses. Again, this is usually what happens. <laughs> when we're backed into a corner, we start throwing out excuses. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Well, they're right about that. The gods they serve don't have flesh. Again, demons are spirits, and that's who they're worshiping. But notice, they're saying, this is impossible. It's impossible, king. What you're asking is impossible. And they're right. Through the gods they serve, they're right. It is impossible. I'm reminded, remember Elijah in uh, 1 Kings 18, when he goes up on Mount Carmel to battle the, the prophets of Baal? I love that story. Elijah is up there on Mount Carmel. And, uh, and when we go to Israel, we'll get to visit there. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, 
and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.